So welcome to the Love Fly podcast. It's Paul Tizard here, fear of flying coach and Love Fly co-founder. That's a bloody mouthful. Uh, welcome back to Gita Brown. We have the Gita Expresses in the house. Welcome back, Gita. Thank you. So, so happy to be here. Yay. Yeah. So first things first, I'm going to say thank you off the bat from all of us for just being amazing, being a fantastic Facebook ambassador and the posts that you put in there are just phenomenal, really inspiring and stuff. And so we thought we're long overdue a Gita update. And so we need to, um, so might be maybe do a little potted history of like where you were when we first spoke. And then yes. tell us all the amazing stuff you've been up to. There you go. And I can, I can shut up then. No, please don't shut up. I want to talk to Paul. <laughs> First off, you are very welcome. I never considered the words Facebook ambassador to be like a useful thing in the world. <laughs> but when it comes to Lovefly, I am really honored. And it's just, it's so much fun. I like can't keep me from it. It's just a great community you guys have started there. And anyone who's listening, hello, 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 much love. So <laughs> potted history. Wow. Well, I was thinking today we're recording this in March. So March of a year ago, mm. I was what we Americans would call a hot mess. Um, <laughs> I um, had a long standing, I would call my fear of flying like a simmering fear of flying. You know, like a lot of people mm. I didn't have one when I was younger, didn't have it in my teens, early 20s, fine. But then as I got older, it sort of started to just simmer in the background. Yes. And I think I only now in hindsight, I can see that slow creep to then where it got to the point where sure. it was almost yeah. unmanageable. Yeah. Mm. I know a lot of people have a similar story. So a year ago, I think is when things really came to a head, that sort of simmering, like low level claustrophobia, a lot of the images I saw in the media, some of my own generalized anxiety disorder from life, I'd managed to keep it at that simmer level because I flew a lot. Mm. But then cue, dun, 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 COVID, <laughs> you know, and totally grounded. So any exposure therapy that was keeping it at that low level simmer just went away. Yeah, which I don't want to say it was a good thing because the pandemic, you know, I would just gladly not have had to have gone through that. But it forced me to sort of bring my fears out into the light because I couldn't mm -hmm. just sort of pretend I was OK anymore. Yeah. yeah. So when it came back then to flying last year, all of those little bubbles that had been simmering away, it was now like hot lava. And I was at the point where, you know, book, people will really resonate with this. Booking the ticket was like a game of like, well, which flight am I less likely to die on? I mean, ridiculous thought process now I can laugh about, but that's what it felt like. Yes. And I would see a plane overhead and I'd get, you know, heart palpitations mm. and get anxious and sweaty. If a friend would tell me they were going on a flight, I would catastrophize about their flight. I mean, it was like anything related to planes at all really was really in, impacting my everyday life it's and it's a I, gift isn't it when you can freak yourself out of a flight that you're not on a friend seriously. On, yeah that's wow yeah like the power of thoughts right but that's mm. 
where it comes in because Ooh. you realize, oh, if I'm freaking myself out, I can unfreak myself out. Yeah. So it all came to a head then. Yeah, I managed to go on a couple of flights, but it was white knuckle describing the last podcast, you know, just gripping the armrests, literally breathing one breath at a time. I think I was doing cycles of three breaths and then I'd count over again, one, two, three breaths and start yeah, over again yeah. for two and a half hours. I mean, exhausting. Mm. And then it all came to a head. I flew out from Boston to Denver. And then on the return flight home, we stayed at the airport hotel. So there was the airport right there. You know, it's like cue the doom music, dun, dun, dun. And that whole night I tossed and turned. I mean, I had the dark night of the soul. It was awful. Mm. And, but I kind of went through it. I sort of faced it and put my fear in a chair and said, like, let's talk about this. Like, what is going on? Yeah. And by the time I had already been working at that point with the Love Fly podcasts and with reading books and some exposure therapy, and it was just in the early stages though, but by the time I got on that flight, something in me had sort of snapped and said, enough freaking yeah. already woman, yeah. like yeah. enough. And I actually fell asleep on that flight because it was like, it was almost like I, I just gave up. Like, this mm. is not serving me anymore. Why am I doing this to myself? Yeah. And I fell asleep on that flight and I woke up and I was like already to Boston. I was like, darn, I missed looking at America while I was flying over it. <laughs> And something in me really shifted and has not stopped shifting ever since. Foreshadowing. Mm. <laughs> Very good. So I so, so yeah. for those who haven't listened to it, yeah. Shame on you. Geeta's first episode. Uh, <laughs> it's well worth a listen. Not because she's uh, an explosion of energy and enthusiasm, but also because <laughs> there's some tips in there that Geeta shared. So we're not going to spoil that. What, what did Geeta do last time? Mm. You'll have to go and listen and find out. But, <laughs> so for this time, roll forward. You've been posting yes. in the Facebook group. Yep. And and you're very kind to credit us. I know you also got some help from Captain Ron, was it? Yes, was it? Yeah. very much so. He's a love, lovely guy, you know. So Absolutely he's lovely. He's been a podcast guest a couple of times. Brilliant. Yes. He's just so humble, you know. Did you yeah. know he was a, a, a Vietnam vet? I don't think I knew that. Once and I just caught it. It was like, did you just say that? You know, I was thinking, wow, he's been flying a long time. Yeah. But he's so modest and about all the stuff he's done. Yes. And just loves helping. So anyway, roll forward. Roll forward. You've been putting photos up of doing some, what I would say is quite remarkable stuff. So tell us Mm. how you got from last time where you were like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to where you are now. <laughs> from total hot mess yeah so yeah you, you guys can go back and roll on that last podcast if you'd like but very potted history i followed the love fly method right exposure reading books listening to the podcast doing the breathing exposing exposing so roll forward from that Denver flight to where I finally surrendered to the process did a lot more commercial flights after that and along the way i thought well, my dad used to fly a sailplane, which is a plane without an engine. What? <laughs> right? And he used to do that. And I know that like people go up in these little small planes all the time. Mm. What if I went up in a little small plane, like a tiny little plane, and I was initially thinking of it just for exposure therapy. 
maybe that would be something. And then when I go get on a big plane, I can say, but I did that little small plane. So yeah, surely yeah. now I'll be fine yeah. in commercial aviation. Yes. But I think there was part of my that underlying, you know, subconscious part of ourselves that when we're in a fear state, we can't access. There was part of me that was slowly falling in love with aviation, just getting really interested by it, sort of entranced by the whole thing. Mm. So, but I knew that because I had still had so much ingrained fear behaviors, even though I had surrendered to it, my knee jerk reaction was still panic. Yes. So I knew that that it wasn't just going to go away just because, oh, I've surrendered now. Everything's fine. I still had built, as you say, yeah. a lot of like I'd gotten really good at practicing fear. Mm. So I knew I needed to find a small plane that I could go up on with a person who would not be a jerk, quite frankly, because, you know, some people can be really insensitive yes. and they don't if they don't understand <laughs> your fear, they can throw you into a steep turn yeah or all the things that a little small plane can do and not realizing that, you know, they can really be traumatizing us. Well, also, they could, there could be a little throwaway comment. Exactly. People like well-meaning relatives do, but also people in the profession Yeah. sometimes will just say stuff and you just think, oh, that's not helpful, you know, even though it, they, you know the intent behind it, but yep. it's just... Yes, yeah. and when so we're you, on that fight-or-flight mode, everything that someone says, it can just set that off. So I did a lot of um, research and I called around a lot of places and really tried to suss out where was a place that was going to be, you know, sensitive to this free. jerk free environment, please. <laughs> and I found a place and actually I found a place where the person not only spoke to me on the phone, but the very first time I went to the airport, we just sat in the office and we talked for like an hour. That's all mm. we did. Mm. And each all along the way, I've really been thinking of my love fly peeps for this one, because <laughs> I think a lot of us, or maybe it's just me, we have that all or nothing thinking, like either I have to be totally over the fear or I completely suck and I'm horrible and I'm a failure. Yeah. Like yeah. we're just like, ble we're. All, but I think of it more now, it's like, um, life is just a happening it's just a process it's not something for us to you know master or be perfect at it's just for us to join the process like that's it enter the yoda <laughs> she's off again <laughs> but in that regard though it's like you know like when a little caterpillar goes in a cocoon it's not like i must be a butterfly now otherwise i suck it's just in the cocoon doing its thing. And then when it's ready, it's the butterfly. So I started to kind of, that was last summer. Maybe there's a lot of butterflies in our garden. Maybe I was <laughs> looking at that. But I started to think of the process of going on this, this small general aviation flight as just a process. Like what happens if I just go along with it and just see mm. where it goes instead of trying to feel like I have to be free of fear or I have to whatever, some, you know, rule I have set up for myself? What if I just enter into the process and see what happens? And that was a really crucial shift in mindset for me because it just yeah. took the freaking pressure off, you know? Yeah, it could yeah. just kind of relax and explore aviation, not from a side of like, I have to be different or better, but mm. just what's happening here? What, what can I take from this? So even though while I was driving to the airport that first time, there was, I still had the churning in the gut. I had to go to the bathroom like three times before I even went into the office. My yeah. body was still fight or yeah, flight, yeah. but my mind was like, I'm going to do this mm. as just a process of exploration. And that's it. And somehow that helped me just keep taking the next step. 
So had that long conversation with the instructor and then went home, thought about it, said, well, I'll just book a flight. Let's see what happens. And all along the way, I was saying, all you're doing is booking a flight. You can always just say, eh, not for me. Like yeah. you're not without agency. You can always make a different decision. Yeah. Again, it's not all or nothing. So very long story short, I go on the flight. When we did an hour of ground school, which was, I was like, this is so cool. We did the whole walk around of the plane. We get in the plane and then he starts the plane. Okay. And we're whoa, in the, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Hour of ground school. You can't just jump over that. You experienced <laughs> aviation person, you. What yeah. was that? What's that about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So an hour of ground school is where they take you through the principles of how flight works. How does a plane stay up there? What are the things you need to know as a um, potential student pilot when you're in a small plane and it's just two of you? Like what's your responsibility scanning for traffic? You know, not talking when the pilot needs it to be quiet. How to do a pre-flight, like what you're looking at in the airplane, you know, is yeah. everything bolted on? Is there any leaking fluid underneath the plane? They just oh. kind of take you through like the real basics of your safety, your responsibility, and then also how to manage yourself as a pilot, which was so cool. Like, are you safe to fly? Have you had enough sleep? Do you have a headache? Do you have a nice. cold? Are you stressed out? Are you worried about something else in your life? Like, mm. are you really, are you really in a good space to go up in the air today? So they take you through all of that as well as what are all the instruments and all that. Not that you remember all of that. It's just too much for an hour, but they yes. just sort of intro you to all of that. Very good. And they walk, yeah, it's really, it's fun. Well, I to me anyway. That's what you fun. say, thorough. thorough. Very thorough. Yes, this is a good school for me, as you can tell. I like details, man. <laughs> so we finally get in the plane after all of this. And when he starts it up, if you've never been in a small plane, it's about the plane I'm flying in now is mm, if I move my elbow like a little bit, I touch my instructor like he's right there. The wall is like right there. The ceiling yeah, it's, is it's right. cozy. It's, it's cozy. cozy. You're in your cocoon. There's the uh, little butterfly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're determined to work that one, aren't you? I am. I'm just going to wear it down to a little nub today, man. <laughs> So and when that propeller starts, which they call the prop, it's noisy and you can feel the wind from the propeller moving the plane like it already starts to kind of like buzz and hum mm. and like it almost wants to take off already because it has that wind yeah. from the propeller washing yeah. over the body. You can feel and I was like, <gasps> and this rush of anxiety, Paul, was like insane. My, my fight or flight clicked and I was like, my instinct was to rip off the headphones I was in a Cessna, so I did have a door to my left. I wanted to rip off the headphones, open the door and run away. Like that was mm, yeah, in that, that second, it was like, yeah. <gasps> and then because I had talked to the instructor and told him my whole fear of flying story, he knew where I was at. I, I managed to say something like, I'm having a massive spike of anxiety right now. <laughs> so like, But really I was like, oh my God, get me out of here. And he was like, all right. He's like, how about you just look out of the window? And there's like a playground with kids on it, like right there in front of the, the airport and people are having lunch and he's like, the sun is shining and he kind of calmed me down. So we taxi, it's lovely. And then we take off and it was a mixture of being exhilarated, thrilled and completely terrified. Yeah. It took a lot of coaxing I think we flew for like 15 minutes and he said, all right, I'm going to hand you the controls now. 
What? And I was like, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're all right. Carry on. No. Well, I pay you, and then I have to fly the damn thing. What's going on? Seriously, what's up with that? And he's like, no, 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 this was the deal. We know how they do a thing called positive exchange of controls. So you mm. always know who's flying the plane. Mm. So I would say something like my controls, then he would acknowledge your controls. And I'd repeat again, my controls, so that you yes. always are very clear about who's flying. Cause you don't want to have a question about that. And I was not ready to say it's my control. Sort of thing you want to fall out over really is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm flying. No, no, I'm flying. Yeah, no, it's me. It's me. Elbow, like shoving each other. Yeah, yeah. So that words, though, saying my controls was it was too overwhelming. I mean, I'm mm. sure nervous flyers can imagine, you know, you're putting your hand on the yoke of this thing, terrified to do something wrong. So again, great, great instructor. He just said, how about this? I'm still flying the plane. How about you just put your hand on the yoke? Just put it on it just to, and I was like, okay, that I can do, right? He stepped yeah. it down to what I could handle. Yeah. So I put my hand on the yoke and he said, all right, that feels okay. Or right? I was like, yep. He said, we're straight and level. All you have to do is just hold that right where it is. You don't even have to move anything. I'm like, okay. And I managed to finally then say my controls and he passed the controls over. And wow, we just yeah. flew along straight and level. I did a few gentle-ish turns. They were probably like 0 0.07 degree bank, you know? <laughs> it's probably like a slight lean, but to me it felt like yeah. you know, we're tipping over sideways. But something, Paul, something happened. We were at about 5,000 feet, which has always been my favorite part of commercial aviation. Like when you're landing and you can see the details mm. of the earth, but you can see enough of the topography that you can see you know, all the way here, we have mountains in New England, all the way to the mountains in the north, and you can see the ocean. And what I saw was this carpet of the earth just rolling out in front of me. I saw the Boston skyscape in the distance. I saw the blue hills in front of Boston, which I knew were there, but I never actually realized how big they were until I saw them from the air. Then I saw the Atlantic Ocean just spilling away. And the arm of Cape Cod, which is this sort of peninsula-ish. It's literally shaped like an arm that curves through the ocean. Yes. And I saw the mist and the fog. I mean, it was just stunning. And mm. I completely fell in love. I mean, oh, it was it. like, whap. I mean, there was just, no, it was like falling in love with my husband. I was like, that, I, that was it. Something in me just snapped. Yeah. And I remember telling him like, I've done some cool stuff in my life as a performer and I've traveled and had these great peak experiences on stage, but something about that moment just mm. broke my heart wide open and that was it and now i'm a student pilot getting my private pilot certificate and here we are <laughs> yeah, that was great and you have yeah. such a lovely way of describing it that i was there mm. well, i wasn't obviously that was amazing i always because i've been up in i went up in a cessna and i remember looking mm. across at the pilot and he was about 400 years old <laughs> and i thought to myself so this is my first lesson. Obviously, Microsoft Flight Simulator to one side. I don't really know how that counts. What happens if he dies? Did anything like that yeah. cross your mind? No, it did not, there you go. thankfully. There's a new one for you. There you go. But Thank it doesn't you. matter now because you can fly it. Thank but you. Think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a very real and valid concern. It definitely is. Well, let me let me say this. General aviation, and this is something I had to talk about with my husband as well, and really think about from, from an accurate risk assessment, because risk assessment, because what you're bringing up is 
how do we evaluate risk of going up in a single engine plane? How do we, you know, accurately evaluate risk to know, you know, what's real versus perceived? Yeah. So from that tip, I knew I was going up with someone who was younger. I think he's in his 40s. Healthy. I know he has the highest level medical certificate you have to have to fly these planes. Of course, could something happen? Of course it could. Mm. I also know that we, we were always, I could always see the airport from where we were. And, you know, I, I mean, yeah, this, I mean, if something happened in that moment, boy, that's an interesting one. The chances of that happening are pretty remote. Yep. But I think if it happened, that's where you get on the radio and you ask for help. And there's people who can help you. It's not actually as hard to fly a plane as you might think it is. <laughs> I think we have a big thing in our mind that it's like some skill for like other people, or you mm -hmm. have to have like some special, you have to just be that kind of person who like yeah. wanted to be a pilot from the time they were a fetus. But actually, like if you can drive a car, you can fly a plane. And I think you're bursting a you're, few bubbles here, Gita. I know, but it's really a mental block that we put pilots on a pedestal. And I'm sorry, but they have a lot of training and certainly you do need to have a certain mental ability and physical ability, but it's not within the scope of people to learn how to do. It's just not like something for other people. Love that. So, but no, I didn't think, what if he dies and then I'm up there in this plane? So thanks for that thought. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm, I'm here if you need me. Anything else to think about? No, yeah, so... I think it's, I think, but here's the thing is that's your, so it's risk assessment. And I was looking like, yeah, I, I mean, I feel safe. I felt safe in that situation going up with him. But the other piece of it is that's what my anxiety, it will always throw up a roadblock that will always stop me from doing anything mm. I decide I want to do. The mm. resistance will come up for anything that's really important to us in life, that's when we'll experience the most resistance, yeah. right? For whatever's the most important, that's what the, the roadblock will come up. So that's where I always go in and I think I trust myself to handle it. And I hear people saying in Love Flight all the time, I love you guys for this, but sometimes I wanna smack you a little bit because everyone's like, trust the pilots, let them do their job, trust the system. And I'm like, yeah, okay, yes, actually, yes, do that. Even more so, though, trust yourself to handle whatever's happening, because you, ultimately you can't even control that. You just have to trust yourself. Mm. So I trusted myself to handle whatever happened in that little tiny plane. Well, that, that's brilliant. Yeah, that's yeah. Brilliant. And so that was it. You were hooked then. Fell in love again. Fell that's... in love again. So how how often are you out there now? How many hours have you done? So here's where we are. It, I took a very slow and I always, my school is very, I won't say they're, well, they are, they're selective. They're discreetly selective that you have to go through a bit of a process to enroll. So they have some, yeah, some, not hurdles, but they just sort of have a curriculum that you have to go through and you have to just sort of keep going mm -hmm. through the steps before you can really fully enroll as a private pilot student. So I did all of that and I just took it slow because I'm coming from like a lot of, fear. And I told my instructor, I'm going to need a lot of time, yeah. probably a lot of flights where it's just me kind of getting used to it because in small mm. planes you do feel more sensation. You do Definitely. notice the wind more. Uh, there's a little more bobbling, bloobling around. And, and when you're turning, it's, you feel it more so, and you do mm. more degrees of bank in those small planes than you do in commercial aviation. And you want to be able to do that so you can handle it. 
So I started that discovery flight was in July. And then throughout July and August, I sort of just kept taking the next steps and the next steps. And then I had to wait for my instructor because he's in high demand. So I could only have classes once a week, which is really hard to learn how to fly if you can only do it once a week. Mm -hmm. You can read all the books you want and watch all the videos you want and visualize all you want, but there's nothing like putting your hands on the controls and rotating for a takeoff. (laughs) Like you can't. And then the plane that I'm flying, which is a Cherokee warrior. So it's a low wing, little nimble, lovely plane had a major just thing that needed to be fixed. And so she was out for two months being fixed. So I was just getting my mojo and then it was like, (laughs) Um, so it's been a very slow process. She's back, I'm back flying. I finally got the second day a week with my instructor and then cue winter here in New England you know, snow, ice. This past week we were supposed to fly and both times was canceled just due to ice on the runway. Cause you know, you don't want to land on a skating rink. There's something not safe about that. So I'm at about total flying time. I must be like at 20 something hours or maybe more. So you still managed to to squeeze in despite all of that. Yes, we have done a, a decent bit of flying. I have not soloed the airplane yet though. I'm like right on the cusp of that. And we keep mm-hmm. getting like a momentum and then winter happens. Yeah. So it's been a lot of interruptions, mm-hmm. but it's given me a lot. I think that's good for me. Nice and mm-hmm. slow, nice and steady. I'm in my little cocoon. There's the metaphor again, make note. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just taking it slow. And I think it's actually given me a lot of time to integrate a lot of the the love fly learning and to really process like that internal thing. Because I I also, there's another thing we say a lot in love fly, which I agree with, which is, but I also kind of have come to a different understanding of it. We talk a lot about battling fear and overcoming fear. Mm. And I do think that it's a good analogy that there are times where we need to kind of like oh hang on do we, do we need a drum roll for the guitar upgrade <laughs> come on then we're not battling anymore what are we doing no oh, i think we i do think we do need a battle at times don't we oh, like okay. we need to be like you're getting on that plane and you're doing the thing even right. if you're shaking and mm-hmm. you're in the bathroom every 20 minutes <laughs> nervous flyers i know you know what i'm talking about you know you're you're doing you have to kind you have to summon up that like rah, that mm. like that grit so mm. i think it's useful but if we stay in that like heightened state of feeling like we have to fight and battle i don't know that it's super useful long term and i think it kind of sets up that like oh, i'm trying to it sets up like an oppositional language that like there's something that has has to be overcome. And I don't think that as a human species, we're biologically programmed to overcome fear, right? Like we need fear and anxiety in order to yeah. function like yeah. as an animal on this planet, like it's yeah. part of us, so we can't really overcome it. So that battle is, good when it gets us through like moments or situations or an initial like push Mm. of energy. But I think long term, it's a little bit more like, 
again, kind of allowing, accepting, being, right? Like life again is a process and we're just asked to show up and be part of the process. More gee to gold. And that's it. It's not gold, man. It's just life, right? <laughs> <laughs> like we just need to, to show up and that, but that's sustainable. Like a lot of times yeah. in yoga, we talk about like, why would you do a yoga class? Like raw, raw, push, 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 push. Cause it's not sustainable. You injure yourself, you wear yourself mm. out. But if you just go at things like at 80%, then you can do it for the long haul and you can really enjoy it along the way. Yeah. So I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to like fight with myself and feel like I'm constantly battling myself. I want to when it's appropriate, but then let that drop and just kind of let the fear be there, mm. but use it appropriately. Does that make sense? It does. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. My dad had a nice story. Maybe that'll help. You want a dad story, Paul? Yeah, sure. Because <laughs> it's been cool to talk to dad. You know, he was a sailplane pilot. He flew for years and he did a lot of high altitude flying. So sailplanes, for those of you who don't know, they get towed up by a powered airplane on a tow rope. And then when they get towed to an altitude, the tow rope releases and then you glide in this plane. And when you get really good at it, you can find thermals, which are rising mm. pockets of air. So it's just air that's rising. Think on a hot summer day, if you look at a driveway and you can see like the wiggles of air or a desert, you can see the air. They ride those thermals, that rising air to higher altitudes. And my dad's, they also, he's done this out in the mountains where he's ridden waves of air that come off of mountains to go way, way high up altitude. You know, we're talking 20, 30,000 feet. But he talked about the first time that he didn't just get towed up, glide around a bit and land back at his home airport. But the first time he flew to a, a destination airport, which is one thing for me in a powered plane, because I have a propeller, you know, yeah. I can be like more power. Yes, please. Brrr, and I can go. <laughs> but when you're riding literally the currents of <clears throat> the atmosphere, <clears throat> that takes a certain level of skill and knowledge. So his teacher took him in a small powered plane so that he could learn how to see where this airport was from the sky. And they call that pilotage, just being able to look down at the earth and be like, oh yeah, that's the highway, that's the mountain, the airport's over there. So they did that sort of initial scan. So my dad would learn. And then they went back to the home airport. My dad got towed up. They released him and he was flying around. He said, okay, he's like, and then I made a Gita to like the farthest edge of where I had ever been in the sailplane. And he's just in this by himself. And he's like, and I knew that if I went farther, it was all on me to find the airport, make sure I had enough lift to get there Scary. and to do it right. And he's like, and also to know where I could land if I didn't have enough lift. So in case for some reason I yeah. lost the lift, I could land safely because we're always, especially in small planes, we're always looking, where could I land? Where could I land? Where could I land? We're constantly mm. have that backup because we can't always make it to an airport in a smaller plane because we're not high up enough to glide as long. So he's looking, 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 and he says, okay, I'm at that moment, you know, do I go through or do I not? And I was like, what was that like? He said it was more of, again, that battle, that battle yeah, with myself. Yeah. Yeah. Do I trust myself to handle this? Not just can I do it all or mm. nothing, but can I handle taking this step? And he was like, so? I just nosed the plane in the direction and I just took that next little step, which is gliding forward. He's like, and then I was there at that point where I either had to land somewhere forward, I wasn't gonna oh, make it yeah. back to the home airport. Amazing. And he did it. 
he did it. He made it to that airport and he landed. He went in, had a hamburger, called his instructor. It was on a payphone. This is going back to the 60s, you know. <laughs> I made it, Fred. I made it. <laughs> Fred came and drove and, you know, took him back. But he said that was huge because that was that again. I think at that moment, that is where that battle analogy is useful. You know that all you're battling is your own internal limitation, your own limiting beliefs about what you can handle. And if you just say, I know I can handle whatever happens. I've prepared to the best of my ability. I've assessed the risk to the best of my ability. I've set up the emergency procedures to the best of my ability. But more than anything, I trust that I can handle it, whatever Mm. happens. And that enables him him to take that next step. And so that's what I'm doing. We like that. We like the Gita yeah. Dad story. That's very good. Dad. It's I been really I, cool to talk to him about aviation. It's been a blast. Uh, it's good. I, I love the sort of trusting yourself because ultimately that is where you want to get to is that you know that you yeah. can handle it, that you can. Yeah, that's great. I love that. A little bit of yeah. wisdom there, Gita Brown. Very good. So what's I, the end goal? I know you're going to go at 80% and take your time, but you know, yeah. what's the end goal with this aviation lark then? God, you know, that's what's so weird. Like I've always been that goal oriented person, you know, I have a clear goal in mind and blah, blah, blah. And now, you know, I've just been sort of exploring it for a while. I just will be honest and say, I really have no idea. I oh, really nice. don't know. Yeah which is weird for me to say, because I've always been very clear about what am I doing and what are my goals and what are my Mm. objectives and blah, 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 blah. Mm. Because I don't know enough about the general aviation community to really know what my options are. So general aviation is, you know, the small planes, (laughs) low and slow is how we fly. I, I can say that my goal right now is to learn as much as possible about what the options are for me. And I think that it's opened up such a different side of myself that I didn't know was possible. A whole new set of people that I didn't even know existed. Sorry, people. (laughs) That I just need to take time getting to know the people, getting to know the industry, getting to connect with other pilots and sort of see where it all goes. I think there's something that, we talk about a lot too in love flies like visualizing you know visualize yourself walking down the jetway towards the plane you know which used to make my fingertips sweat you know visualize yourself on the plane and that's very very helpful and one thing that's been useful to me lately is actually been visualizing myself not just doing it because that's usually how we do visualization like doing the thing that scares us and someone said something to me like visualize yourself having already done it like who you be when you're that person who already does that thing. And so I would do that in the early stages of getting over fear of flying, you know, visualize myself getting off the plane and feeling relaxed and calm instead of like exhausted. And so now I visualize myself like, okay, I'm two years in the future. I um, have my private pilot certificate. I definitely have my instrument rating because that sounds fascinating, being able to fly with not any visual cues at all, just total instruments. Picture who is that person? And I honestly have a hard time visualizing her. Mm. I'm still have a little mental, Yeah, that makes sense, you know, yeah. a little like yeah. limiting belief, like, really? Really? <laughs> you, Gita. That's honestly, it's, uh, that's phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, anybody listening to this be thinking, yeah, yeah, it's easy for you, but 
you've got, I remember talking to you and you, you, you're on that kind of bit like, will I, won't I? And yeah. you shared all your tips. And now look at you. And I think there's a fear to be overcome with, well, I've said this before, so I don't want to go over it, but I don't have any problems going in a large commercial aircraft because I know about yeah. all the backups and stuff. Yeah. But I don't feel that comfortable doing the sort of size aircraft that you're talking about. Yeah. Whenever I've done that, I have to give myself a damn good talking to because I don't yeah. feel relaxed at all because I'm thinking about where's the backups? Where's, oh, I'm the backup. Oh, oh right. Okay. That's not good. <laughs> I don't like that answer. You know, so it's, so it's quite a leap that you've done. It's no small thing. Yeah. I guess that's true. And I think now that I know more, I won't bore the audience with general aviation speak, but now that I know more about general aviation, I and had a lot, a lot of conversations with my instructor about this. I do understand how the backups in general aviation work and they're different than commercial aviation, but they're no less robust. It's, it's just a different, a different mindset. It even goes to things like the plane that I'm flying. Just I'll give one example so people sort of might know. Maybe this will help your sensibility. <laughs> uh, but the plane that I'm flying on is a single engine, which most people would think, oh, single engine, you only have one engine. Mm. Uh-oh, what if that one engine goes? However, this plane was chosen because it has a particular wing structure that turns it in. It has a very light weight. So it turns it into a very effective glider if the engine goes. In fact, how we practice all of our landings are power off landings. So mm. every single time I've landed this plane has been with the power completely off. So I have no fear about, oh, if the engine goes, will I know how to land it? I'm like, that's what I do. That's how I've learned from day one is how yeah. to handle no power. Whereas other single engine planes, they can be a little heavier you don't get as much gliding out of them. They sink a little faster, not like a stone, but you just have less time to glide yes. around. So all those little decisions, mm. um, really accurately assessing risk. It's not just, oh, that it's a small plane. What type of small plane? I know the type of engine is a Lycoming, which is super, super reliable versus some other types of engines. So all of these are just like just, I, again, yeah. I won't go all into it because it's way too aviation nerd, but there's <laughs> all these backups and redundancies that we do mm -hmm. have built in and that we know how to manage those backups so that we can, again, handle the situation. There you are. See? Yeah. Brilliant. One thing my teacher said to me too, which really helped, maybe it'll help you or maybe it's just my metaphysical thing and the fact that my teacher is also has a degree in philosophy, so we're a good fit. But his dad is also a flight instructor. His dad said this to me, my teacher said this to me. Think of the plane like an extension of your own body. You're not flying a separate mechanized thing. That plane is you and you are the plane. You sense things through your body, what's happening on the wing. You can sense through your seat what's happening on the bottom of the plane and in the back. You can feel the vibrations through your body. Everything that you do with your hands and your feet gets extended out through the aircraft. So it's an extension of you. And why in the world would you be afraid of that? And I was like, oh. Drop the mic. That's a great yeah. one. <laughs> that was my, and I was like, that makes a lot of yeah. sense, right? But it's again, it's that like battle mentality that we have or mm. opposition mentality. Like that thing is something I have to be afraid of. And instead of it's all part of the universe, it's all part of you, interact with it, play with it, and you can manage it. 
I don't know if that helps at all, but oh, that's really good. <laughs> yeah. That's very good imagery as well. I feel like there was something I wanted to say. I made a note here. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah. Yeah. Hang on. So I will just, you know, yeah, go ahead. We'll just hang around. <laughs> Take your time. Wait for Obviously, it. No, I made a note here. I'm see if I can find it. Yeah. Um, we do want the Gita wrap up wisdom at the end, of course. Oh, Gita but, wrap but, up wisdom. Sure, sure, sure. But we'll come to that when you've worked okay. out what the thing is you wanted to say. Well, I guess I wanted to say something else to anyone who is listening that <sighs> I, I kind of don't know how to, how to really explain this. I haven't worked it out in my mind. That's why I sort of took the note. It kind of goes to how we're designed to function like as a human being, just mm. like as a physical substance. So if we take it all the way down to like a cellular level, yeah. say you take like um, a stomach cell, a stomach cell is designed to either grow. So it isn't going to grow more stomach cells or, you know, repair those cells, or it's going to be in protect mode. It's like, that's how our cell on a cellular, you know, like biochemical level, that's what our cells are literally programmed to do. I won't get all sciencey about it, but that's, you know, very mm -hmm. reductionist what they do. They're either growing or they're protecting. Mm -hmm. This is like the survival programming of like how we are built from the womb. We're either growing or we're protecting. What's interesting with a stomach cell, say it's in there like digesting food, which might be part of like growing, and then it perceives a threat like you get really stressed out about a flight coming up. When it perceives that threat, that cell switches off from growth mode and goes into protect mode, which means it shuts down digestion because it's like, I don't have energy to digest food yeah. and yeah. do that. I got to go protection mode. Our cells are literally programmed to be binary like that. They're either growing or they're protecting mm. at a cell, like that small cellular level. And then you put those groups of cells together into a stomach, a heart, a lung, a brain, those groups of cells do the same thing. They're either growing or they're protecting. If they're in protection mode, they're not growing. If they're growing, they're not worried about protection, protecting. They have um, different biomechanical things they do. And that's why this long-term stress that we put on ourselves with fear of flying, with that constant low-grade anxiety of consuming social media feeds about not helpful images, <laughs> about, you know, listening to the rubbish things you would say, you know, that other people say, about feeding the fear or even ignoring the fact that you have a fear and sort of pretending it's not there, mm. but it still is simmering away. Yeah. You're constantly sending messages from your brain and your thoughts to your cells to stay in that protective mode. Yeah. which naturally turns off the growth function of those cells and can contribute to long-term health, not goodness, <laughs> right? It shuts off your immune system, right? Slows your digestion, mm -hmm. makes your thinking not as clear. You're literally like turning off the power of your own body to grow. That's why doing things like before a day you fly, make sure you eat a meal because you're mechanically sending that message to your body. Hey, we're in growth mode here. Situation is normal. You don't need to be in that protection mode. So we don't have to put ourselves through this sort of like long-term low-grade stress of fear of flying. And doing so can really inhibit at a cellular level and that at a growth, like a systemic body level, mm. your ability to grow quite literally cells to grow, you know, bone that's been injured to just grow your physical being, not even to mention your thoughts and out into your life about what you want to do. 
So it's really, really worth it to battle or not battle if you choose this fear, <laughs> right? Like it's really worth it because it can really impact your health, your well-being yeah. and, and all of that. So like you're designed, your body is designed at that level to support this process of growth. So feed that process instead of the protection mode. Um, mm. I don't know if that made sense. It's just been yeah, something yeah, I've been thinking really good. about. Yeah, like, that's very, because uh, we're like programmed that way. Very interesting that is, and also it's a, a neat way of looking at fear and why why it's mm. worth doing something about it, not ignoring it either. So you mentioned about avoidance, and I really yeah. like that. Nice. I see yeah. a lot of people avoid it. Like a lot of my friends, now that they know I've sort of been on this path, I sort of have come out about what I've dealt with. And, and not everyone knows I'm a student pilot, but anyone listening to this will, but I tend to keep that a little quiet. But I, I see a lot of my friends go, oh, my God, I have a fear of flying, too. Oh, my God, me, too, me, too, me, too, me, too. And I see people doing something about it before a flight, and then they kind of forget about it. They don't yeah, keep yeah. working on it. Yeah. And then sure enough, that very same friend calls mm -hmm. me up from mm -hmm. the security line at an airport because they're having a panic attack. And I'm like, well, what have you been doing the six months in between a flight? Like, you can't. Yeah pretend like you, you got you did one good one decent flight and then you can let it go yeah. you have to kind of keep working at it and that's why i'm so ridiculously obnoxiously present on the facebook group <laughs> because i know that i have practiced that fear pattern so much longer mm -hmm. than i've practiced the being in love and curiosity for aviation mm -hmm. and i know that i just need to continually just engage with it in a more positive way Plus, I love it so much. I want other people to have that freedom. And as yeah. you would say, have the choice. Exactly. But I know that I just have to just kind of keep that positive wheel turning mm. so that I stay programmed in that growth mode and don't slip back into the I must protect and fight and battle the world and keep any sound from entering my ears ever, you know, like yeah. all that. Put on the noise canceling thing and pretend I'm not on the plane. Like, that's just setting up that oppositional fight with the environment yes. you're in and you're setting up then a reaction yeah. when anything penetrates that defense so so true so true right take off yeah. the noise canceling headphones look around the plane as peter mm. higgins would say chat to the person next to you let yourself be a hot mess of fear but just let yourself experience it don't like fight that fear kind of Put your arm around it and let it get on the plane with you. Yeah, I like that. I really like that because it's yeah, it got me thinking when you're saying that. It, it's so easy to sort of just inoculate ourselves against it, but actually, and this is I was reminded of this by I don't know if you remember one of the podcasts was Paul Barber, one of the professors, Gestalt professor. Yes, and yes. he's very much like go towards be in yes. the moment be curious because you only have now yes so the past is past the future is uncertain therefore obviously dangerous so you only have now and now is where you are and i just and i've been really trying to keep that yes it's so easy to sort of to, to to time travel in our heads somewhere else isn't it yes none of it you know the past isn't really what we thought it was anyway it's just what we thought it was yeah, and so the, the story that we is, tell about it. No, anyway, so you're yeah. up now, you know. And yeah. I just think it's to be really present. And I, I, I have been thinking about this. See, I quite like 
occasionally I like noise cancelling headphones just because I'm antisocial and so I yeah. can hide from people, you know, go, sorry, <laughs> listening to something. <laughs> uh, Can't hear you. No, you got other closet sorry. miserable. Sorry. <laughs> I'm out of the closet now. Been outed. But yeah, just that's about with withdrawing and recharging, you know, but yeah, I do. I, I think you're right. You know, you're onto something there. It's like, it's just move towards it and be really embrace it, you know, rather than trying to sort of manage around it because you can't, you can't stop people saying stuff to you. I, I hear people say this all the time, you know, I had a good flight and I think, what does that mean? Yeah. You know, because it's like, it, it took off, it landed. You know, the pilots right. always say takeoff is optional landing is not you know correct <laughs> so we, we are going to take off and we're going to land and, and we're only going to take off if it's safe and we'll only land when it's safe and we're going to keep it correct. safe throughout and and so i think what's a good flight you know like no turbulence is like well it's, it's a good flight whether it's got turbulence or not you know it's, yeah it took off it landed is defined a good flight yes <laughs> check exactly. i took off i landed yeah and so i think we, it's very easy to sort of to make it bigger than it is of course i'm not de- mm-hmm. not diminishing the fear of flying because it's massive and i see the impact mm-hmm. of it on thousands of people yeah but it is something that we've is is possible to get past otherwise when we do this yeah you proof of that um, last bit of wisdom Gita brain i love that i love it i think <sighs> or maybe yeah, maybe you wisdomed out. I mean, there's been some. Or nuggets. wisdom out. I got nothing. No, no, no. That was just a sigh of just taking in what you said because it's it's something. I, I've been a meditator now for uh, I don't even know. I'm 50, so more than 30 years. Well, way more than 30 years. I started in high school, so I've been a yogi for a long time. And for me, being a yogi means it's that dedicated, full-on lifestyle, you know, 24-7. It's not, oh, I go to a yoga studio here and there and do some physical stuff. It's it's everything, approach to life. And with that is very much exactly what you just said, that there is only now, there's only this moment that is happening right now, talking to you right here, for whoever's listening, wherever you are, oh, there's <laughs> now. So wake up to now, this moment, yeah. um, as you said. But that is the trick, right? Because we were given consciousness as humans to be able to think forward and do mm. risk assessment, which is I'm doing as a pilot in training, really assessing, is the runway icy? Is it not going to be yeah. icy? What if that runway gets icy? Can I land at another one? Is that airport open? Uh, it's not. Let's not fly today because it's, it's just too many risks. That's a great ability to have. The trick and the game and where it's fun is to use that in a way to be curious rather than in that protective, fearful mode. And I think that's mm-hmm. really, for me anyway, has been the kind of turning point or the key that flipped things for me. What if I take that sort of ability to think about the past, to forecast into the future, and instead, as you said with the Gestalt theory, use it as a way that we yogis use it to be curious and to experiment with the present moment and see what happens there. Mm. Um, And that takes a lot of the pressure off, brings a lot of enjoyment, and just gets you engaged in whatever you're doing. And then whatever's happening, you're like, it's happening. That's cool. I don't have to then react. (laughs) (laughs) The plane is late. The plane is early. It's this, it's that. I don't have the right seat. I don't have the right this. I'm like, oh, that's happening. All right. That's kind of a thing. 
I'm feeling a little yeah. angry. That's kind of a thing, but I'm not then heaping on to the reaction with another reaction, another reaction. I'm just kind of watching what's happening as a big, curious, interesting game. And it's yeah. so much more fun to live that way. Even to be yes. in an airport stuck on a layover, you're like, oh, this is happening. All right, cool. What can we do with this? Instead of it meaning a lot of other things. I like that. So it's been, it's one of the things that, that I've come across, which is, is cause, it's been a challenge sometimes when mm. certain things have happened, that this is being done for you, not to you. Yes. And so when you get these little challenges that come up, like the delayed flight, the change of aircraft, the seat you didn't want and stuff yes. like that, it's it's like, you know, you can look at it, it's shit's, shit's happening anyway. So yeah. what do I do? You know, so I can react or I can sort of think, oh, okay, what, how do I make the best of this? You know, and yeah. it's not always easy to do that. And certainly for, for the big things. It can be very hard to do that. Yes. This is for me. This is for me. <laughs> this is for me. <laughs> this is all happening for my good. Yes, I'm really growing and learning. Thank you so much. <laughs> and it's so freaking painful. And that's why, at least for us yogis, that's why we have a formal practice of breathing, meditation, physical practice, because it gives you a way to sort of process, feel, and practice managing what you would call your auto reaction, your knee jerk response to sort of needing to fight it or be angry or have a lot of emotion about it you still let yourself have that but you maintain an ability to sort of be a little neutral and curious about it at the same time wow i'm really suffering a lot okay what can i do i can take a deep breath i can listen to some uplifting music i can cry a little bit if i need to right i can get upset and express myself mm -hmm. but i don't have to stay caught or stuck in that initial reaction no. you can return to a more sort of state of equanimity a little quicker the present moment is actually usually pretty groovy, even when it's not, you know? We I think I was a that. hippie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there we go. Yeah. The present moment is groovy even when it's not. Even when it's not, it's kind of like, wow, this sucks. All right. I mean, have you ever had just a real crap moment when you just start laughing because it's just like so bad? Yeah. I have you know what I mean? You, think, it... you know, something goes, you know, like you're in, I had one in North Wales recently. Where I was driving back a drunk friend. We were going across this bit and there was no white, no signal, nothing, complete, oh. no lights. It was in the middle of deepest, darkest North Wales. Oh my gosh. And we went, uh, we're going along in my Land Rover, which is pretty sturdy. Yeah. And suddenly you get a flat and there's, there's a bang oh. and we get a flat tire. Of course. And I'm like, and of I remember course. thinking, I said to my friend, because he's drunk and trying to take take control, like, <laughs> I'll uh, find the jack, and he, he's too drunk to see anything. And uh, and I just said, look, if there was ever a team build exercise to <laughs> test our relationship strength, yes. this is it. You know, and, it's the uh, one friend drunk, dark in Wales night. But he's like holding his phone. It's raining, and I'm trying to change the tire. Oh it's never been. It's never been out the packet. It's like this. Is there a spare? I don't know. I never. I don't even know where is it. Yeah, and it was just. But we did it, you know. But yeah. it was one of those moments that that's just a light one, you know. But that's the first one that sprung to mind. Sometimes you go, "What was yeah. all that about?" You know. But it just. Yeah. It was an interesting thing, and you go. You can go one of two ways. You can just go, oh crap, yeah, because you couldn't even, couldn't do anything, couldn't have even phoned yeah. someone to help. You had to, it was on us, you know. So yes, great moment though. Afterwards, 
afterwards that's the thing sometimes when i'm going through really horrible moments i'm like someday this will be funny but right now it's just not <laughs> not funny at all no it's not funny at all and yeah we shake you know raise your hands to god or the universe or whatever and let yourself feel the emotion and then let it pass you know and yeah. go on to the next moment um yeah sometimes i think of it it's almost like uh talk to myself like i'm my own best friend you know or like i would talk to like i teach kids with special needs and i'm like how mm. would i help them in this moment would i berate them and be down on them and mm. and whatever i'd be like yeah i know this is tough and it stinks you know that like you're learning how to walk and you're 15. it's crap like this stinks but let's get on with it like let's do it um i believe in you um so i'd like to talk to myself that way too because like What's that. the alternative? What's the alternative, Paul? Are we going to just sit here in fear and anger and anxiety and feed that part of ourselves? Mm. Or are we going to say, I'm going to grow and trust and discover? I know what I'm going to choose. These little sound bites are like, drop the microphone, <laughs> so stop the podcast now. But then you got me thinking about something else. So I was just thinking about one of the psychotherapists that used to talk on the, the previous courses I used to run. Mm -hmm. She used to say, if you if you stop to notice the stuff you're saying to yourself, oh. you said if you had a friend that said half of that stuff to you, you they wouldn't be a friend. But yeah. we talk to ourselves like crap, and we wouldn't take it off a boss, a colleague, a friend. Yeah, absolutely. Take it, you know the old internal critic. Yeah, go for it. And we don't even notice, right? It's like, right. it just, we don't even, we don't go, wow, I'm speaking so poorly to myself right now. It's just that, again, that constant low level anxiety, that low hum of comparing yeah. yourself to people on social media or yeah. judging people on social yeah. media, then yeah. judging yourself that way. And it's, we almost don't even notice that we're saying it. That's why for me, the, you know, formal practice of meditation and yoga is useful because when you're just sitting there with yourself day after day on the cushion at six o'clock in the morning, you really hear all of those things mm. and you can get down to those deeper levels to that like core limiting belief you have about yourself. And that is another thing I wanted to mention to the love fly people is that there's that sort of, there's two kind of levels that I've been discovering through my flight training of that super conscious programming, the stuff we're really aware of. Like I have a fear of turbulence. I still don't like turbulence, still learn how to work with that one it's getting much better, but it's still, it's a little triggery for me. So I know that, or I know I prefer, you know, this plane or that plane, or we have all that conscious stuff that we do. You can work through all of that and that's great. Work on that. But there's also that subconscious programming, like you just said, that the therapist mentioned that there's this little undercurrent of limiting beliefs, mm. things we picked up from our parents that maybe even happened before we were pre-verbal, things that were said in the room that we sort of internalized. And it's this little belief. And if for me, if I don't go to those deeper levels and bring those limiting beliefs, you know, piloting a plane is for other people. You have to have some natural inborn ability or skill, or I'm not good enough to do that. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not disciplined enough. I'm not strong, whatever it is. If for me, if I don't bring that out into the light of day and put an arm around it, it will forever boss me around. Yeah. Because when we're in that stressful fight or flight moment, we don't rise to the best of our ability, like people say. It doesn't happen. We sink to the level of that lowest limiting belief. We go right there. Mm. I know Love Fly people have all felt that. We just all of a sudden turn into this other kind of yeah. 
I don't want to say crazy person, that's not a great term to use, but even our loved ones look at us, they're like, what are you doing? Mm. So if we don't, re- for me, if I don't look at those deeper, deeper levels of my limiting beliefs and my sort of ingrained little like self-worth stuff that I carry around, that's the thing that comes out in a moment of stress. Yeah. Um, whereas if I look at it, put my arm around it, treat it with some love, I know that it's there and it doesn't boss me around anymore. Then I can respond from a much more relaxed, open, curious place. So go deep or go home, baby. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to take that. That's the one. Go deep we or go home. the ending. <laughs> or don't. Or just kind of get okay with flying too. That can be enough, yeah. you know? Like I wouldn't have been ready for this deep dive, you know, five years ago. But mm. now I, I was ready. I was ready mm. for that next phase. Turning 50 kind of lets you know, oh, if you want to do something, now would be the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've noticed that, that particularly. I was saying to a friend of mine the other day that uh, I'm getting more impatient. And I think it's because I've got more life behind me than in front of me. And I'm just thinking yeah. I don't want to spend listening to this stupid conversation. Exactly. Once, or in yeah. a queue, like, one me in the queue. But then it could be being done for me, not to me. <laughs> yeah. You're still an arsehole. Get out of the way. This queue is a moment to breathe, relax, yeah. and be. Being done for me, being done for me. But it's still annoying. Paul, when you're in a queue, you are the queue itself. It's not an external happening. If you're in traffic, aren't you the traffic? Yeah. All right. Or is the traffic everything around you, but somehow you're not the traffic? I'm not. I'm not the problem. <laughs> everyone else is the problem. Everyone not else is on, every, is on. Everyone else, not me. Yeah. Just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> right, oh Peter Brown. Thank you very much oh, for coming back and sharing more of your lovely energy and wisdom. My and pleasure. I can't wait to release this one uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Oh. And uh, I'll probably edit that bit out, but it's on video, so I can't. Uh, No, thank you. That was amazing. Thank you. It's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you a thousand times to you, to the entire Love Fly crew, John and Susan, Peter, you guys. I think it's why the Facebook group is effective and is indeed one of the only reasons I'm still on Facebook because I I literally unfriended every quote unquote friend. I'm really on it only for Love Fly precisely because the community is not only uh, peer to peer, which I enjoy, but I know whenever we go a little bit awry that we can rely Mm. upon, you know, the wisdom of our, our, what I consider my teachers, you know, you, Susan, John and Peter to sort of come in and say, hey, hold on folks. Here's a way to look at it. Here's actually the facts or Captain Emma can come on and and give us some facts. It's that level of professionalism that I find in the group, which is really unique and the approach to really looking at this holistically, that it's not just a getting over fear of flying. It's really about how are you going to approach your life to give you, as you would always say, more opportunities, more choices rather than fewer. I am forever grateful. And that's why I spend a lot of time on it. It's just my way well, of thank saying thank you. We really appreciate you. it. And and also Perfect. from Sarah and Steve and Hannah and all the others that come, yes. who you'll meet on uh, Saturday on the Yay. webinar. So that happened. So the webinar that you came to two weeks ago. <laughs> then, anyway, it's confusing with this time thing. Time is an illusion yes. when you're on a podcast. So, so, time, so this <laughs> webinar this Saturday, which was two weeks ago when this goes out. Anyway, yes. So um, you'll get to meet and Jamie and I think a few other regulars and Anna. Some oh, of these people that pop fantastic. up a lot in this, so it'd be great. 
Thank you. Fantastic. What a lovely My love fly pleasure. community. My pleasure. <laughs> Take love care, Gita Brown. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Love Fly podcast. And if you want to find out about more that we do, please go to our website, lovefly.co.uk, and you'll see a list of other options available to you should you need them. Thanks for listening.